Hi, and welcome to the Flute Talk Podcast, where we talk about all things flute. If you're looking for more tips or lessons with from Emily, please check out Musigy.com for all the sheet music, transcriptions, albums, books, and flute lesson packages. That's Musigy.com. M-U-S-O-G-Y.com. Also, if you're looking for posters, fingering charts, or merch, you can head over at our merch store at store.thefluechannel.com for all your flute needs. If you want to help us on a monthly basis, you can also consider joining us over at Patreon for as little as $2 a month. This helps us make more great content for you. Check the description for more info. Finally, if you're looking into buying a flute, please consider using the Flute Center of New York and use our code TFC for a 10-day trial in trying three flutes. Check the description for all the details. Now on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Flute Talk Podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm Emily. How's it going, Emily? Good, how are you? Good, good, good. So this is the, you know, the last Sunday of every month. We do a live show here on YouTube for you and uh, listen to your questions, answer your questions, and also uh, even read one five-star review over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you leave reviews on your podcasts. We can read one just like this one by Hari who says five stars, not just for the flutists. Thank you both for your wonderful podcast. I enjoy and learn many things from each of your episodes. I don't play flute, but plays, uh, I play an instrument app called GeoShred on iPad. It has flute presets, GeoFlute, GeoBase Flute, made by Swam Instruments, uh, which produce tones almost identical to the actual instruments. The reason I listen to the flute performances and this podcast is to learn how to play GeoFlute as much, as, as much close to how an actual flute is played. I'm getting educated about different flutes, techniques, challenges, uh, challenges the artists face while playing, and also how the whole industry works from your podcasts. Well, that's pretty nice to say. Uh, looking forward to much more uh, such nice episodes in the future. Once uh, One request I have is that whenever you are planning on an episode on World Flutes, please include Mensari Flute, which we will. This is going to be cool because we have some, I think. It is an instrument played and enjoyed by millions of people, both through Indian classical music and other types of music, so it's so good to introduce it to the Western world. Also, I live in Ottawa, and if you, uh, if, uh, if any performances of Emily are happening in, in either Montreal or Ottawa, please announce them in the podcast in advance so I can try to attend. Thank you, Hari, at Ragas on iPad on Instagram. Go follow him if you like electronic music and stuff like that. Yeah, thank you. That's nice awesome. review. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're going to, you can leave a review uh, and we'll try to find them. You can leave a review anywhere on Apple Podcasts and uh, anywhere in the world and leave five stars for us. So it helps us out a lot. And then we'll read the, try to read one uh, on the podcast. So yeah, what are we going to talk about today, Emily? Oh, yeah. We were going to talk a little bit about why uh, music theory is important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that's the thing. And then we're going to answer some questions. So, yeah, I just, I was thinking about how when you understand the language, because music is a language and very uh-huh. often it's not taught as such. And um, when you understand it, it helps you play better and read faster and a lot of different things like that. Because um, sometimes we tend to teach things separately. We'll do, a, let's say, a course about theory and another one of your instrument another one is ear training but really they're all like it takes time but when you get to a certain level you integrate those things together and I feel like when we teach uh, our instrument when we teach the flute privately we could do a better job at 
integrating all those things together. So if you're teaching scales, it's interesting to teach the theory behind scales, you know, that it's understanding that it's a pattern of tones and semitones that you can start on any note. So that's why all major scales sound the same or all minor scales sound the same. And then you can also play major and minor chords to your students, you know, so that they can hear the difference. And, you know, understanding what a tonic is, all those things, if you understand them, then when you play, you know what you're playing as well. And when you do a scale, you know why you're doing it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You understand transposition. So then sometimes with some students, um, in order to do some ear training, I give them a different scale every week. But only n I don't ask them to do only the scale, but also to play a simple melody in that key. So like... I think it's a good thing to do, like try to take melodies. That's a good ear training exercise. You take a melody, it can be like um, Twinkle Twinkle or uh, Three Blind Mice or like si simple melodies like that. And you try to play it in every major scale. And then you can even change the mode and play it in minor, you know. And this way you really learn what a scale is, what a key is, like a tonality mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And yeah, this way you can integrate those things together on your instrument. And uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, adding different layers for people to understand is always important because, you know, you're teaching as a teacher, as an educator, you're trying to make the person adapt to these principles as easy as they can. So you have to have different types of um different skill sets to uh, have them adapt so putting those things in like you know adding the numeric principles on on scales and stuff like that and really you know adding layers can help really with the, that type of stuff instead of just kind of blindly going in and saying just do the scales and then but how do these scales relate to this song or how does this how do these scales relate to this uh, technique pattern that you have to now learn you have to learn a new technical pattern for a scale that isn't just you know the whole scale it's a skips or goes back and forth like sometimes people they just they need an extra layer or a couple layers of different type of systems i know some people they color code some people they even like you said you add a numeric system so they incorporate that numeric system into the scale okay. it's all helpful i think yeah yeah, I think it's helpful because like then when you start doing let's say sight reading and you see uh, you see a pattern going up, you know like mm -hmm. oh that's a major a G major scale or oh this is a scale in thirds mm -hmm. and like you see it faster. Yeah. And this way your brain is not an analyzing each note but really just the kind of drawing of that scale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so when you learn theory, try to really Put it at your instrument and vice versa. Like try to integrate things together. That's what I was trying to say basically. And also like use it as an ear training tool as well because it's th it's the goal in the end, you know, to understand the language so that you can understand it when you listen or when you want to improvise or play or stuff like that. Because if you understand in which key you are when you have a cadence you know when the phrase ends on the tonic you're gonna feel that it's ending there and you're gonna play it differently than if you don't understand it mm -hmm. well there's also a lot of intuition because we know that system so well even when we don't know it but yeah it's cool to understand what we're doing so that was my little thing about theory so that's cool 
Yeah. Yeah. Would there be like, you know, are there some things you see in beginner students that you that tend to help them like that you always kind of notice helps right away with something when you uh, teach them? Is there a specific thing that's well sort of using what they know? Because like, let's say a major scale, everyone knows how it sounds, you know, like. Mm-hmm. So if you're learning new notes and you integrate them in a scale, they'll know if they're making a mistake, if they're not doing the right fingering, because if they don't do the right note, they'll hear it's not the right melody, you know, of this of the major scale. So mm-hmm. using things that um, we all know without knowing that we know them, you know, because music is part of human beings. Um, like there's been studies with little babies, like I think a couple of days old, they put them in a scan to look at their brain while they they put music and they put like back or like tonal music then they put little mistakes either in um, harmony or in rhythm and the baby's brains react differently when there's a mistake so it means like this language is really uh, part of human beings like most of them at least like there's very rare cases of people who don't have that but yeah so I think using what we already know of the language mm-hmm. and then bringing it that way. Just mm-hmm. in a way, you already know those things, but you don't know how they're called sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just learning the vocabulary that goes with what you already know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Knowing very how interesting. how to name things. Oh, yeah. that's pretty, yeah, exactly. Huh. What would be like, one? Of, what would be some of the things that you, um, again, in a beginner, for a beginner, like what are the thing, what are the things that you always tackle first in music theory just for instance oh i don't know i guess understanding how uh reading works like mm-hmm. how yeah well rhythm rhythm is a good one because it's pretty easy and you don't to even have to have that you don't have anything on a page you can do it almost orally first to kind of get them to understand yeah it depends on the age of the student right but yeah with little kids you'll do like a lot of um like imitation and stuff like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. just developing their sense of rhythm but older students may be less of that because like usually it's already integrated in most people but even mm-hmm. with adults sometimes i use like if i want to work on rhythm i'll use uh walking on a beat and right. stuff like that That's or pretty cool. clapping eight notes while you do quarter mm-hmm. notes with your feet and stuff like for rhythm mm-hmm, let's say mm-hmm. so that it's really in the body first and then then you do it with the reading and writing. Mm-hmm. has to be cool. part of the body first because it's the body that's making the music. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, I thought, you know, to motivate people because sometimes people think music theory is so boring mm-hmm. and it can be, mm-hmm. but I think if you really integrate it and it makes you understand that beautiful language, then might be more interesting. Also, like, if it's a lot, if you've neglected music theory for one reason or another, maybe during the summertime. Summertime is always a good time to kind of look at that. You can look in, in, in theory books and also maybe take a lesson on Coursera or any of those things or take our thing. You talked a little bit about music theory in the advanced uh, and in a the beginner bit, book yeah. or two. But, I might um, make a course. About music theory beginners. Yeah, that could be a fun thing. Yeah, with an adapt for people who just frankly just don't know where to look or are intimidated, you know, as well from other systems because, you know, it's always a a huge wall if you want to look at like RCM or any of those things and 
invest in a course and you know do those things it could be very uh, i could see how it could look a little intense for some mm-hmm. people but if you do it on your own pace that's the one thing with those types of with artist skill sets you could either excuse me either do um you know do a skill set that you're in course that is in a time frame or do it on your own meaning you have unlimited time and you can finish it at your own pace that way you can understand it at a gradual pace instead of at a bit more you know faster um time frame and you don't need to have a crazy high level of music theory to be able to play and have fun and no, understand yeah, what you're yeah, doing you yeah. know we all know that there's a lot of you know videos out there and a lot of like content now with a lot of high-end theory and a lot of talking about you know very complicated, very complicated stuff and stuff which is all great but there's also a lot of a lot of basic stuff is always happening in, in modern music and in re- and in old music too all music there's and a most lot of tonal music, most tonal I would music say, yeah. yeah so don't uh feel that you're never gonna catch up to somebody just catch up to your uh, yeah because you can be a very you. good musician with less than that yeah, so exactly. yeah don't don't feel overwhelmed that you have to get all the way to that level uh yeah so that's that's uh yeah anything else to close out on that about music theory if you guys have any music theory questions or anything about that let us know in the comments we're gonna start answering or some any questions question well those will be yes i mean yeah. soon, exactly yeah but, um Next month, actually, in fact, we, so you don't have anything to close no, off on that? No, it's good. Great. Okay, but yeah, so next month we won't have a Flute Talk podcast. We will have a extra little episode that will be on the podcast feed only. So be sure to go and subscribe to any of your podcasting uh, channels. We're going to do a little bit, something on the road a little bit, and then we'll be back in August with a regular episode as well. Yeah, so, so we'll, be be cool. in, yeah. we'll be in France when we make, we'll make the episode in France. Yeah, it doesn't matter where we'll make it, but yeah, it'll be out though. Most likely on the last Sunday of, of July. Like, we'll probably release it around there. So, you'll see it in your podcast feed that. Uh, but it won't be live. No, it won't it be will live be and recorded. it won't be on YouTube. It'll just be on, on podcast. Oh, okay, cool. So, yeah. Um, what else is there? Yeah. Did you read an interesting question recently? Oh, my gosh. So many questions. But, uh, like I said, leave them in the comments too. Oh, we have one, I think. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Jay, just in time. <laughs> Hi, I, uh, I try to learn flute pieces from Tom Play. Is this a good resource to learn mimic playing from? It would be great if you could suggest an ascending difficulty list of pieces for beginners. Oh, we might do that. I'll, I'm going to talk to Tom Play and also maybe we do a little video about it showing the basics. I had that idea. Very good idea, though. Uh, it reminds me that I have to it do that. It is a good resource. It is a good resource. Totally. You can also put um, different speeds. You yeah. can put only the flute or violin if you decide or singer. Some pieces like. offer that, yeah. yeah. Some don't. And then yeah. you can put both instruments. That's right. Then you can put only the accompaniment. So, That's like, right. there's... I think it's a good... Um, yeah, it's a good rehearsal tool. Don't uh, treat it like it's a performance tool too much because it's... it's, it's you know, like a real person playing that part is going to have a little bit more difference of of movement a little bit with musicality. If you play with someone else, yeah. both of you are going to adapt to each other. Exactly. When you play with the recording, you're the only one adapting, so it's a bit more difficult. But it's still like, yeah, it's a good tool. Yeah, it's a good tool. And um, 
I think like you can also listen to it with your music That's and right. just see where yeah. the beats are and stuff like that. Yeah. So And a lot of people have been using it on their computer or on their laptop or on their tablet and stuff like that. So all those resources are good. Like they're continually adding more stuff and a lot of beginner stuff, which is great. And um, and they have um, difficulty levels written there. Yeah, if you they can offer search it. By yeah, you can search by difficulty level. There's yeah. a little tab that says difficulty level. Not all pieces have various difficulty levels. Some of them are just one difficulty okay. level. But a lot of them do have, you know, beginner, intermediate, But I mean, let's say you're a beginner, like you that. could just search the beginner flute. Like, you could That's go, right. flute, you go to flute, beginner, beginner, and then you'll find a lot of music. Yeah, and it'll show all the beginner difficulty stuff. So that's, uh, and you can go by most popular. There's a little tab there that shows most popular. But I think we'll make a little video of, like, top 10 or top 20. Because there's a lot of beginner stuff on there, which is a, fab a pretty fabulous resource, I think. We've used it several times, and... Um, It works. And there's a lot of cool little pieces like that that you can play. Like there's a furlies and, you know, there's a lot of nice little pieces like that. Yeah, there's some pop music. There's some. Oh, yeah. Video there's game, pop music movie, too. All it's that true. Stuff. Yeah, it's true. So hopefully it helps you. Um, I'm glad you're using the service though, because, like, frankly, I think there's really not anything else that sort of is at that level, I guess. I know smart music is good, but it's really more for band and more for wind ensembles and stuff like that and other types of ensembles so hopefully that helps but yeah questions that we've had in the past you know my goodness there's just a you know a lot of people asking about um you know flute pieces a lot of people want to know what are again more beginner flute pieces people want to know more about those types of things i put out a poll uh, recently what most people like uh like what are people's most uh, favorite um styles of music you know and you know resounding six resounding like a lot of people of our followers they listen to a lot of classical and they listen to a lot of uh, a couple people mentioned jazz which is cool too and tv movie soundtracks as well and uh, in fact tv soundtracks and movie soundtracks were second place which was really interesting and pop music so but classical music was resounding out of uh, several hundred votes It's that's pretty cool, cool. Yeah. But yeah, and then a lot of people have a lot of summer goals and stuff like that. And I also asked people about that two weeks ago about what are people's summer goals. And a lot of people want to do like boot camps and um, people are learning the flute during the summer, which is amazing. Super fun. Like some people are got some people bought some new flutes, which is cool. Oh, that's and nice. um, it's always exciting, <laughs> you know, but I, I saw a lot of stuff about daily practice. Like what what I saw a couple questions about, like, what are some main daily practice elements that you should that you should always incorporate in your practice every day? What are some daily principles? Well, you know, you can if you can segment your practice into different categories, like sound. I like to do sound and articulation together, and then, because sometimes we forget articulation, and it's so important because it's the beginning of your sound. <laughs> like, it's the start of the note. And, uh, yeah, we should work on that. Um So sound and articulation and then technique, like more finger technique, but there's also articulation in the finger technique. Let's say you do Tafanel and Gobar, there's different articulations, so that's very mm -hmm. good to work on. And then, like after you do scales and technique exercises, you can do an etude. If you're at a higher level, maybe you do um, some excerpt, one excerpt mm -hmm. that you work on, and then you do your repertoire. That's how I used to segment my practice right. 
So, yeah, and in sound, sometimes I do a little bit of intonation work too, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, let's say you practice an hour, I'd say like five to ten minutes on sound, then a ten minutes on technical exercises, and then a ten to fifteen minutes on any tune, mm-hmm, and the rest mm-hmm, on your mm-hmm. repertoire. So right. Roughly like that would mm-hmm. be a good, good uh, way to organize your time, I guess, you know. And, uh, but like, let's say one day you take your flute, you sound super good and you say, oh, I'll do less of sound, you know, I'll just do a very yeah, yeah. quick warm up and mm-hmm. I'm going to go directly in my music. Maybe one day you can take a part of your repertoire and turn it into your technical exercise of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be creative with it as well. But if you want to build a good technique and stuff like that, it's good to have some type of structure in your practice, I feel. Yeah, yeah, that's like, true. I feel like I've done that for a few years and it really helped to build my technique and my level up. So, yeah, that can be a good way to do it. And it's kind of um, psychologically, it's reassuring. You know, you made this goal and you set that way of doing things and you do it, you're kind of proud, you're happy about it. <laughs> but, like, it depends. Not everyone learns the same way. So... Mm-hmm. If that suits you, just, yeah, that can be a good way to do things. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you practice more, maybe just increase that. If you practice less, maybe um, you can turn it into a two-day thing. That's true. One day on two, you do certain mm-hmm. things. and Yeah. Uh, Victor wants to know, do you plan on buying con- a contrabass flute? Well, we I don't We don't even think have <coughs> a bass flute yet. No, we don't even mm-hmm. have a bass flute. We got to start bass flute then. Then Contra, but I think it's then harder to find Contra. buy a bigger house and buy an account. <laughs> just a yeah. joke, because it's so big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do we yeah. put it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's basically going to be a, a museum piece, you know? Yeah. You don't want to put it in the case, because it just takes forever, I guess, to put put together and put up. Like, it's not yeah. like a regular flute. But, um, yeah, you know. Uh, and plus, it's expensive. And plus, I think there's gonna be, I think there's even fewer makers now for Contra bass and Subcontra and all that stuff, so... Plus, like, flute choir, like, uh, yeah, uh, we can do a whole talk about other flutes, you know. There's so many and just not enough time to kind of really explore all of them because it's just, and more people have to compose for it, so, and see if it's an acquired taste for the public <laughs> and all those types of things because it's, it's an intense instrument, the contra. I've, I've tried it once or twice. Yeah. Have you tried it? No, just oh. bass flute. I've played yeah. in an orchestra, contemporary music. There you orchestra. go. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think you might, no, there's no bass flute in the new contemporary stuff that you have coming up. I think it's just flute. No, flute and piccolo, I think, yeah. or next. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah. But, but like, yeah, I'd like to have a bass flute. I think we could do some cool stuff together. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little, I don't know. I think it could be cool, but. We'll see. Yeah, bass flute, you know, it's a one eventually. Yeah, it's a character instrument, really, in its own way. Like, because it, 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 you hear it in movies and stuff like that, and it yeah. fits well in those types of situations. But it reacts slowly, oh, so yeah, you can't play slowly. anything no on fast. that. You uh, know, everything has to be slow and yeah, just it's yeah, how it is. yeah. <laughs> so but there's your answer. <laughs> there's your answer. Yeah, alto flute is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, James, he wants to know, can you give tips for flute practice? We just did a little bit already, but like, what are what would you say for, I guess, even maybe intermediate, I guess, because you just talked a little bit about how... No, you didn't. You just no, talked about in general, just like I thought. in general, yeah. but... Yeah, yeah, thanks, well, Victor. Oh, thank you, Victor. If you're here live, you'll see that Victor donated uh, $5 on the Super Chat. Thank, thank you so, you so much. much. 
Yeah. Um, well, tips about flute practice. Maybe what's your um, difficulty with flute practice? You know, like, do you have some difficulty motivating yourself, or is it like you don't know how to organize, or you don't know what to practice? Right. Or like maybe identify that, and I can help you maybe with that. How mm -hmm. do you get stronger sound? Oh, from Sunflower the M, yeah. Sunflower M wants to know how do you get stronger? How do you get a more, I guess, full tone from the flute? You know, stronger sound usually means tone. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, you need to blow a lot of air. <laughs> no, but like you need to, um, not necessarily that much, but it's still like it's a good amount of air huh, to play the flute and a good uh, amount of support with your abs. Um, yeah. Sometimes we forget to blow like we mm -hmm. especially if you're a beginner and you're changing note and there's a lot of fingers that need to move people tend mm -hmm. to stop blowing because like it's so much for the brain to think about the fingers and blowing at the same time and all that oh yeah so if you want a good sound you need to blow constantly and consistently um you need to make sure that your embouchure like the hole of the embouchure is opened enough You know, that it's not closed off either by your lower lip covering it or your upper lip going above it mm. or that it's the flute is so rolled in that, you know, it needs to be covered only a quarter to a third of it. And the rest needs to be open so that enough air goes inside and outside yeah. so that you get that whistle, mm -hmm. you know. And then I guess... You can check our videos about sound. We have a lot of them mm -hmm. about how to play in the low register, the high register, how to uh, get rid of the air, how to have a good embouchure, how to change your embouchure. We have a lot of those types of things. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, you could have a some answers to your questions there as well. Yeah. Uh, before we answer the last couple and questions. And also oh, make yeah. sure you don't change your embouchure on each note. You know, find a good embouchure. Don't smile. That doesn't work. Uh, more like more... Uh, straight and um don't change on each note some people think we talk so much about the embouchure that it must be complicated and it must be a lot of movement it's not you find a good position and it's pretty stable throughout the, the whole registers mm, mm, a little behind the screen type of stuff there yeah exactly you don't want to overthink it Exactly. It's Especially simpler the, than yeah. you think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also just check out the other video. She talks about those types of principles as well and all those types of things like that. So it's super cool to go and check out all of our other videos. <laughs> there's over there's so many, it's ridiculous. But it's fun. It's good. It's a good concise look out look uh into how to do those types of um segments of the flute. Uh, before we start uh, with the last one or two questions, if you have any diehard questions, throw them into the chat. But like I said, go and check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash the flute channel, where you can tip us monthly and you get a little extra content. You also get a bit of a direct message uh, conversation with us as well, which is fun. And we're always going to start, we're going to start adding more new things in that as well. And also, um, if you're listening to this uh, on your podcast of choice, go and leave it a five-star review for us. And that'd be really helpful. And also we have Musigy, which is really great, which is our um, book and sheet music store, which we'll be adding some new stuff in the summer. But we have our 15 beginner flute lessons uh, package and also our 20 intermediate um, PDF and video package. Both have worked, have been selling out very, very well and uh, people have been really enjoying it. So you can go there and uh, have uh, buy a you know for a very for a fraction of the cost uh, 15 lessons and 20 or 20 lessons with 
uh, Amelie, how she would teach you at the very beginning. And it's really awesome. And a lot of people bought in both of them at the same time, too. We've gotten lots of orders of uh, people just just go ahead and just buy both one and the other. And then they're set for quite a while, in fact. It's a lot of uh, material and uh, people have been really liking it. Also, we have uh, some sheet music as well. We've only, I think, have one piece of sheet music right now. But we're going to be adding uh, some more stuff in the summer, which is really cool. We're going to add some Telemon, which is going to be fun. And then we also have uh, our merch store, which is where our poster is and all of our physical stuff. And that's over at store.thefluechannel.com, store.thefluechannel.com, where you can find our fingering poster, some uh, shirts, like the shirt Emily is wearing and stuff, and also um, water bottles and uh, Mozart concerto uh, yoga pants and leggings and stuff. So... Go and check out all those things. Also, uh, no notice for uh, lessons open for the flute studio yet. We're going to probably send out a new thing in the end of August to see yeah. how uh, new students uh, can apply for private lessons. Yeah, in August we'll yeah, we're we'll gonna see set where all we're out. at. And exactly. And yeah. we'll have more news about those types of things. So, yeah, I think that's it for everything. If I missed anything, we'll tackle that at the end of the show. But uh, David Talas wants to know... What is your favorite flute? The tenor, the alto, I get the soprano, I guess the bass, but I mean, maybe he means recorders or maybe flutes or like... My favorite flute is my... Yeah, concert flute. Concert flute. Yeah, the concert flute. Yeah. The concert flute, if you flute, flute, concert flute or concert C flute, Google that and you'll see what flute it is. It's uh, also the flute in the backdrop that's on the on piano the there. But we have all those other flutes which are all playable and professional model flutes we're going to start doing more of that type of content in the fall uh diving into that might not be released in the fall but we're going to be definitely recording all those things and doing these a little bit long form about you uh learning the basics of those types of flutes and doing some fun stuff which uh which is really cool as well so hopefully i answer your question if it didn't write us another comment you know below uh the video and we'll try to answer it next uh, not this not july but we'll try to answer it in august or Come by in August uh, here live. We do this at the end of uh, the last Sunday of every month. And what else? Did we forget anything else? I don't think so. But um, yeah, that's really it. So thanks everybody so much. And uh, we will see everybody uh, in August. But there will be content still flowing throughout the summer. We're going to try to release two videos every month. And uh, like I said, go and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or on po or on. Apple Podcasts to uh, listen to that new content that we're going to try out over on that feed as well. Thanks, everybody, so much. And uh, happy practicing. Thanks for, for listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Thanks so much for listening and watching. Bye, everybody. Bye.